Everybody, I'm glad you're here. I thank God for you. I love you. Glad you're in my life. Uh, if you're here for the first time, man, we're delighted that God has brought you, but there's a couple of things you got to know about Central Christian. One, we love to grow and flourish in our relationship with Jesus. And two, we love to have fun while we do it. And so today we're kicking off a new fun teaching series. Um, Ray and I and our Eric, uh, we'll be bringing teaching based on some of uh, songs we've picked out that, we, that provoke our hearts to love our Jesus more. Now these artists didn't necessarily write the songs from a Christian perspective, but let me give you the song that is being sung right now. It's the number one hit in heaven, and they never stop singing it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who always was, who is, and who is still to come. That's our Jesus. He is holy, holy, holy. So anyone, even me, even you, anyone he touches, anything he touches becomes holy. So I'd like for you to join me now in prayer. And we're going to pray. We're going to call down the holiness of Jesus on each of these songs over the course of the next month. Would you bow with me, please? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, Lord Jesus. You are our everything. And we petition you now to touch each of these songs with your goodness, with your holiness. Set them apart for your purpose and receive great glory from our use of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Joshua. I love you. Um, and I love you guys. I love this church uh, with all my heart. I thank God for his presence. I thank the Lord Jesus for his shed blood and his victory over the grave. And I thank him that he can use anything and anyone to teach his truth. Uh, Leonard Cohen's song, Hallelujah, is just gut level real. Just like the stories that highlight the song from the Word of God. It's one of the reasons I know God's Word is true. I mean, any other kind of religious paraphernalia would try to cover up the bad stuff, would try to hide the ugly stuff, would try to sugarcoat. But the Bible, it just puts it out there. It's just real. And the first verse of Cohen's song, Hallelujah, throws the spotlight on the greatest king among God's people, King David. From his heights of greatness, he took a terrible, terrible fall into the darkness of sin. And it just wrecked him. I mean, he knew he had done the wrong thing. He knew that he had violated the holiness of God. And it, it wasn't so much. It was what he did. Just like for me and you, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what we do that violates God's will, it does kill us. But what really wrecks our souls is the guilt and shame that comes from it. Look how David cries out to the Lord. He says, have mercy. Now, mercy is God protecting us from bad stuff we deserve for bad stuff we've done. Oh, God, have mercy. Protect me. Have mercy on me, O oh God, according to your unfailing love. You never stop loving me. Your love is not shaken. Your love never gives up. According to your great compassion for me, blot out my... Now, he uses three different Hebrew words to describe the extent and the depth of his sin. He says, forgive my transgression, rebellion, 
This is doing the wrong thing against God. And it doesn't happen like in a snap decision. This is not a moment of impulse. Typically what happens to me and what happens to you is that we believe the lies of Satan. That he lies to us that it's going to be okay if we take one step away from God. If we take one more step toward the wrong thing, the wrong behavior, that is rebellion against God. And before we know it, we have stepped over the line and fallen into sin. I do it. You do it. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's our rebellion. David cries out, wash away my iniquity. He's admitting his guilty behavior. And he wants it, he wants it purged. He wants it scrubbed. He wants it scoured from his soul. But there's a third word, cleanse me from sin. This is impurity, impure thoughts, impure desires, impure motives. We all have them. And David just lists his spiritual struggle. He has fallen in to sin, transgression, iniquity, sin. So, this is so huge because you want to know. I want to know how do we get over our guilt? We are so sorry that we did what we did, that we said what we said, that we thought what we thought, but how do we get past the shame? How do we recover from the guilt? It's like the, the, the sin was one and done, but now we can't get rid of the shame. Guess how David does it? Look at this. This is the same prayer, just verses later. I will overcome. I'll overcome the sin. I'll overcome my shame. I'll overcome my guilt with my joyous praise. Isn't that wild? It's how I can do it. It's how you can do it. We all sin. We all feel guilt. We all have shame, but we can overcome with our joyous praise. Now, the Hebrew word, one of the Hebrew words, there are seven of them. One of the Hebrew words for praise is halal. It's where we get our word, hallelujah. Halal, praise, this is God's name, praise God. Hallelujah means praise God. That's the first story. The second story that Leonard Cohen chooses for his song, Hallelujah, is about not a king, really not even a great man. His name was Samson. He was really just a low-level government official. He was a judge, but he was the strongest man on the planet. He had a physique like me (laughs) in my dreams. No, on the outside. I mean, he is buff. He is built on the inside, on the outside strong, on the inside. He's a 90-pound spiritual weakling. And he, like David, takes a terrible tumble. But this time, for him, for Samson, it is fatal. The sin is fatal. Here are his last words as we find them in the Bible. Samson prayed. Notice how he starts his prayer. It's with praise. Sovereign. You're large and in charge, Lord. You're in control of all things. Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. And God answers that prayer. And with Samson's final feat of astounding strength, he loses his life. Both men, just like me, just like you, They suffered a personal spiritual failure. And then they said, praise the Lord. And that's us. We're here. We're in God's house. This week we have sinned. We have rebelled. But we're here to say hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But what if? 
What if unlike David, what if unlike how I've been, how if unlike how you've been, how if unlike Samson, what if we said hallelujah before we sinned? What if we praised the Lord before we sinned? Would it be possible to leverage our hallelujahs for victory after victory after victory in every area of life? I mean, let me ask you, where could you use a huge win in your life right now? Maybe a, a, a huge win in your marriage or a financial victory. Or, or maybe it's a, a, a win for your health or your emotional well-being. Where could you use a major win? Where would praise the Lord make all the difference? As I've um, greeted our people last night and uh, three services this morning, crisis all around, family crisis financial crisis, health crisis, and either I know you're either in a crisis right now or coming out of a crisis or you're going to go into one, that's just life. In your crisis, when, when, when you feel surrounded by pressure and stress and struggle, is your instinct to panic? Panic just makes more problems. Panic just creates more pressure. Or is your instinct, is your default position to praise the Lord. You see, the path to victory is always blazed by your praise to God. Well, let me introduce you to a man who got this, who got this to the depths of his soul. He was a king too. He wasn't a great king like David, at least militarily. His name was Jehoshaphat. He was king of Judah, God's people, the Jews. And he learned to leverage hallelujahs for victory, unprecedented, unbelievable, against all odd victories. Here's the word of God. The Bible says the armies of Moab, that's one nation, and Ammon, that's another nation, along with the Moonites, that's another nation, they went to war against Jehoshaphat. It's personal. They're like, we're going to kill you. You're dead meat. We may have to kill a lot of other people to get to you, but you're dead. They waged war against Jehoshaphat. He received this intelligence report. A huge force is on its way to fight you. They want to fight you. There's no time to waste. They're already at Engedi. Let me show you a, a picture of Engedi today. I've been there with people from our church probably half a dozen times. Um, it's a beautiful oasis, extensive oasis in the middle of a massive wilderness. You can see why they would want to encamp their armies here. Engedi has over 3,500 acres of land, enough to accommodate this three-nation army. Here they can resupply water for their animals. They can slake their thirst. They can get more water for their assault because this is the worst part of the story. Engedi is only a two-mile march to Jehoshaphat and Jerusalem, his capital city. This is going to be a bloodbath. This is going to be a massacre. There is nothing standing between Jehoshaphat and Jerusalem, nothing that could stop this massive army. So here's what happens. Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news. What's his default position? When, when he's surrounded by crises, he begs God. He prays. He gets passionate in his prayer. He begs God for protection. No. Uh, begs God for a big army provision. No. Begs God for peace. No. Begs God for guidance. 
Almost every day I pray this prayer from Psalm 103 where it says, the Lord revealed his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. So I pray, God, reveal your ways to me and your wonders to the people of Central. A cry for guidance. Show me the way through. Show me the way to the other side. You are sovereign. You are in control. You will make a way. You will part the sea. You will create a door. God, give me guidance. He ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting, praying, so all the people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Number one priority. When Christ sees confronted Jehoshaphat, his number one priority was to pray with great passion and to get everybody he could to pray with him. This is one of the huge things every week. Every week we have more people coming back to public in-person worship for the first time. And I want to tell you, you're doing the right thing. Because as, God, as God's people come together, his power is unleashed and his help is afforded to all who cry out to him, praise the Lord. The prayer, the prayer of praise, it's the pathway to miraculous victory over any impossibility. Jehoshaphat prays with passion, gets everybody he can to pray with, and all the people came together publicly to cry out in prayer, asking for the Lord's help, and the Lord helped. Here's the word of God. Jehoshaphat took a position, I believe a position of praise, a position of prayer um, before the assembled people, and he, here's his prayer. This is so cool because we get to listen in on a prayer that gains the supernatural power of God to overcome the crises. Oh God, God of our ancestors, are you not God in heaven above? He's exalting God. He's praising God. Jesus called his Father the Lord of heaven and earth. That's Jehoshaphat. Are you not the, the God of heaven above? It's praise. And all the kingdom, you are the ruler of all kingdoms below. You hold all power and might in your fist. This is praise, God. You are all powerful. No one, can, no one stands a chance against you. We know that you are personally present in this place. That's why we're here. Central is our church home because we believe this is the place where God shows up and shows off. But so is the cab of my truck and my shower and your quiet place. When you're on a walk talking to God, he is present in that place with his power. When I'm in my office with the door closed at my desk, he is present. Anytime we open our hearts in prayer and place, God shows you make yourself, I make myself, we make ourselves irresistible to God when we open our hearts in prayer and praise. As we pray out our panic, <laughs> no, 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 as we pray out our pain. We're just going to get real, Lord, and tell you how it is. We're going to pray out our pain and our trouble. We know you will listen. The Lord's ear is not too dull to hear. The Lord's arm is not too short to save. You will give victory. This is the secret of praying to a God who longs to engage in our lives for our good. It is irresistible to him when we cry out to him in this way. You see, when we pray bold prayers, a praise, 
Um, God talks back. Isn't that wild? You pray a bold prayer of praise, God will talk right to your heart. When we pray bold praise, God talks back. That's what he does in the story. There's all kinds of men gathered around King Jehoshaphat. But here's what happens. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men. I mean, why one guy? Why God pick one guy? Here's why. There's one guy standing there. His name was Jehaziel. Jehaziel means God sees. So he selects this one man out of all the men because of his name. He wants to communicate to his people, hey, I see what's going on. I saw it before you saw it. I knew it when it was happening even before the planning stages, and I've already crafted. I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope, not to harm you, but to give you a future, to do good to you. Jehaziel speaks under the influence of God. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Man, i got to recite that to myself every day, multiple times during the day. Do not be afraid. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. Put your personal crises in the blank. Do not be discouraged by the financial crisis, the marital difficulty, the parenting challenges. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. Tomorrow, march, don't run away, don't hide behind the walls, march out against, face your crises, embrace your crises, go into the crises knowing that the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's, but you will not even need to fight. Take your position of prayer and praise, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. The Lord is with me. He's my victory. I want you to leave today, whatever your activities on this July 4th, you celebrate our nation's independence. I just want repetitively moving through your head and your heart, these truths, the Lord is with me. He is my victory. Say this with me. I'll say it. You say it after me. Here we go. The Lord is with me. That's true of you right now. That's true when you leave. That's true when you eat. That's true when you take a nap like me. That's true when you enjoy the fireworks display. The Lord is with you. One more time. The Lord is with me. He's my victory. He's my victory. He's my victory. That's what we sing to ourselves, sigh to ourselves, shout to ourselves, whisper to ourselves, pray to ourselves. We remind ourselves of the truth. The Lord is my victory. He is with me. Um, that's why I'm talking about football today and not baseball because the Lord is not with the Cubs. They've won. They've lost nine in a row. Um, I know. May a thousand fleas infest your underwear drawer. Okay, here's the deal. There's an amazing thing that happens in a football game. Um, there's a quarterback who's going to receive the ball uh, from center. On the other side of the line, big, huge, mean bad-hearted defensive lineman want to take this guy's head off and throw him for a significant loss. Sack the quarterback. Ray, I remember that picture of you when you had your hands on Leroy Butler. You were not looking on him with the love of Jesus. 
Ray was a defensive back. I mean, and maybe it's Ray. He's going to blitz and come across the line. He wants to get that quarterback. So the quarterback, here's the amazing thing that happens when he receives the ball from center and he moves. However he moves, these guys are going to come at him with blitzes, formations, stunts. They want to get to him. But when he passes the ball, hands the ball off to the running back, they stop charging the quarterback and start chasing the running back. If the quarterback keeps holding onto the ball, it's his painful problem. It's only as he hands it off. I want to tell you something. God is whispering to you right now, give me the ball. Hand off to me. I'll run for you. I'll score for you. I'll win for you. You see, our tendency is to hold on to our painful problems. We go to handoff, and then we keep them. Stay afraid. Stay anxious. Stay in panic. But God says, give me the ball. And when God runs with the ball, he doesn't try to juke somebody. He doesn't try to fake one way and go the other. God is a steamroller. He plows right to the end zone. He spikes the ball. He scores, and he wins in our behalf. I mean, we can run after him. We can run in the wake. But when we give him our painful problems, when we hand him our crisis, he carries the ball. He runs for us. He scores for us. He wins. For the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. You see, winning in the game of life requires a hands-off approach. Our crisis, our problem in the hands of God that he can run with it. Let me show you how King Jehoshaphat handed off his crises to the Lord. King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. One of my favorite ways to pray before I came to this service, I was back in my office, got down on my knees, my face to the ground, and asked God to speak through me, to feed his sheep through me. That's what Hezekiah does. He's showing us we're getting to see a posture that is magnetic to God's power. We're getting to, to, to listen in. He bowed down, low to his face to the ground. All the people did the same thing, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites stood to praise the Lord. There's our word again, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And the Levites, they are like associate ministers. Jehoshaphat's on his face. All the people bow down to worship, their heads to the ground. But all the associate ministers, they all stand up and with one voice shout, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Here's what happens early the next morning because that night after that big praise the Lord, hallelujah, the people all went to bed and rested at peace in their sleep. We've handed the problem and the crisis off to the Lord. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out, just as God had said. Jehoshaphat stood and called them to attention. He said, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall have success. There's the secret to our effectiveness in marriage, our effectiveness as parents, our effectiveness in our finances, our emotional and mental effectiveness. Believe, trust in the Lord your God. Believe his prophet. That was Jehaziel. In other words, believe his word. Believe what he says. Live your life. Trust the Lord 
and live according to his word and everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. Man, that phrase is a huge source of peace and comfort to me because I face crises just like you. My life gets surrounded by problems and pressurized just like yours. I feel the anxiety. I feel the stress. And in that moment, I've got to make a determination. Am I going to try to carry the ball and get smeared, or am I going to pass it off to the Lord? Let the battle be the Lord's. Trust in the Lord your God. Maybe I need to recalibrate my life so that it is according to his word. But when I trust in the Lord and keep my life lived according to his word, everything's going to be all right. You have the same confidence. I'm telling you right now, trust in the Lord your God, live by his word, and everything's going to be all right. Whatever the struggle, whatever the crisis, however difficult, however daunting, everything's going to be all right because the battle is the Lord's. Here's what happens. The king appointed singers then to walk ahead of the army singing to the Lord and praising Him for His holy splendor. This is what they sang. Not only do we get to hear the prayer that attracts God, see the posture that attracts God, we get to, we get to see the praise that attracts God. Give thanks to the Lord. We're not even on the battlefield. No sword has been drawn. No spear has been thrown. We're already thanking God for the victory. The bills have still piled up. I just got done with the fight with my wife, but it's not over. God is at work. So I say to him, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment, they begin to sing and give praise. Now, this is not a word, halal. This is a different Hebrew word. It's tehillah. And I like it because it sounds like tequila. Yeah, if you drink enough Tequila, you'll start singing exuberantly. That's what tequila means. It means exuberant singing. In fact, look at another place in Scripture where tequila is used. I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise, his tequila will always be on my lips. Now, when you leave today, I want you drinking tequila and not tequila. But it helps me remember because I'm weird. At the very moment, the moment they begin to sing. Oh my gosh, isn't this powerful? When you begin to praise the Lord with passion, at the very moment you begin to praise Him with passion, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. I don't face armed soldiers. You don't face a well-equipped army. We face Satan and his demons, and they don't take a day off. So you know what? We don't take a day off from praise and prayer and calling on the name of the Lord and saying hallelujah because our hallelujahs make them run. Our hallelujahs make them flee. Our hallelujahs make evil turn its back on us. Our hallelujahs disarm evil. Our hallelujahs make us victorious over evil. So when the army of Judah... King Jehoshaphat's army arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness. All they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. And just to show you that when you praise and pray with passion and say hallelujah, praise the Lord, I want to show you the super abundant 
victory that he grants. Look at God's word. The story concludes this way. Oh, this is cool. Our vital hallelujahs paved the way for God's victorious help. That's when I got all worked up a second ago. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to carry off the plunder, they found more loot than they could carry off. Equipment, clothing, valuables, it took three days. It took three days to cart it all away. Why does this text include that simple detail of three days? Because everything in the Bible means something, and everything points to Jesus. It was late afternoon on Friday that his limp, lifeless body was removed from the cross. All that day, he suffered in our place for our sin. His face was beaten beyond recognition. His beard was pulled out forcibly by the roots. His head was bludgeoned again and again and again with a club. 39 lashes fell on his back. Horrific loss of blood. He carries his own instrument of death up the hill of Calvary where his wrists and ankles were impaled with spikes. That's nine o'clock in the morning where he dangles helplessly between heaven and earth until three in the afternoon when he gasped his last breath. And then late that afternoon, his body was removed from the cross and sealed by a stone in a tomb. If there had been an inscription over the tomb entrance, it would have said, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I'm only renting the place out for the weekend. He was dead all day Saturday. But early Sunday morning, the supernatural power of the Spirit of God fell on Jesus, and he was raised incomparably from the dead. Now, here's the good news for you, and here's the good news for me. Yes, he died for our sins. His death set us free. Everything bad about me was put on him, and everything good about him was put on me. All my ugly, evil imperfections were on him, and all the glory and beauty of his perfection is on me. Everything wrong with me is on Jesus, and everything right with Jesus is put on me. That's what happened in his death. But he rose from the dead for me as well, because the Bible says I get to live and love and serve and worship in the incomparably great power by which Jesus was raised from the dead. So we say, hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is how we fight our battles. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.